Uh, today we're going to come from uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. Uh, looking at this passage in, in the first part of the chapter, really talking about uh, keeping the message of the gospel true, uh, the relationship, the the integrity of the church, uh, being people above reproach, that people look at us and it just want to be a believer in, in our lives. And here it kind of shifts and it becomes much more personal. Uh, it, it talks about not being unequally yoked together in our lives. A lot of times people look at this and immediately they, they think of marriage. Um, and, and that's really uh, not even the primary focus here. The, the focus is about the believer and their spiritual life. Um, and really there's not much more vital in keeping our life on track with Christ than this idea of, of not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. It, it has a real tendency in our lives to cause us to be led astray and to be drawn away from the Lord. Um, Jesus tells us that we are to be in the world, but not of the world in the way that we live. Uh, the necessity of us in doing the ministry of the Great Commission and even showing the Great Commandment is to be uh, in the world uh, among sinners and uh, our lives and the way that we uh, show friendship and different things. But the key here is this idea of being unequally yoked together in our lives with those around us. Um, so as we look at this, realize that it, it's very important for us to realize what this means and to avoid this in our lives. So I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians 6, again, beginning in verse 14. It says, Do not be bound together with an unbeliever. For what partnership have righteousness and unlawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Baal? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me. Thus says the Lord. So in this, we see the the... This principle being unequally yoked is a very personal thing. It's relational. Um, it affects our relationship with everyone around us and how we look at that. Notice in the scripture it says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Uh, this is about interpersonal relationships, and it, it can limit our fellowship and to what extent that is in our lives. Um, we are told that to be unequally yoked, and, and what is that yoking that it's talking about here? Uh, it, the idea comes, it's actually two Greek terms, and, and I'm not going to butcher the Greek by trying to say those words today, but the first group, the first word is, is different. It's actually hetero, uh, it, it is a difference. The second word, zugos, is coupling, and putting those two words together is where I have a problem trying to say that Greek, but it's, it's difference being coupled together. The idea of an unequal yoke is a farming term. And as you know, in farming, they would they would uh, yoke two uh, cows or um, animals together to plow a field, and, and they would work together in doing this. And this is putting two different animals. And it's actually, if you go into Scripture, it, it tells us that it's against God's law uh, to put two different animals in the same yoke. Uh, the reality, when you do that, 
you're really causing both harm to both animals, especially to the weaker of the two, because it's going to be changed and, and pulled by the stronger animal. And it's really not effective because uh, the two animals not, are not able to work congruently together to do the job that's set before them. In our spiritual lives, it's speaking about being formed or bonded with an unbeliever. Uh, this, this idea of being unequally yoked is tied together uh, with an unbeliever. This is a view that Christians it is not uh, to enter into a formal relationship or arrangement of any kind that's a, a binding partnership, a covenant, or a contract with an unbeliever. Why? Because such a relationship as this can be harmful to the believer's spiritual life because it ties them uh, to a, an unbeliever that has a different set of values. Um, uh, imagine a, a, a ox being tied to a donkey in a yoke and how difficult that would be not only to control them or to get any real work out of them because they're totally two different animals. Well, for the believer and the unbeliever, they have a totally different mindset of, of what they live for and how they live uh, their lives on a daily basis. Uh, they're at constant odds with, with each other. And this is how it is in the Christian life. When we're bound to an unbeliever, uh, our temptation is to be drawn away from Christ in our lives because that unbeliever is not, is not following the same path that we are. The real issue here is, is that it's problematic from the very beginning uh, in, in having this relationship. Um, 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14, the second part there, after it says, don't be unbound to an unbeliever, it says, what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness of fellowship with light and darkness, of harmony with Christ, with, with be all? You know, what, what relationship is there in this? Uh, these are, are problematic uh, relationships there. Um, in, uh, in, in the early Christian church, believers were taught, not even to eat with an unbeliever. Uh, this may take it too far. It is, we're not to be totally separate from the world because then we really don't have the influence. We're not the light and the darkness that we're told to be. We're not being friends with unbelievers to share Christ with them. Jesus himself ate with sinners uh, in his life, but, but he wasn't contaminated by the world. He was separate from sinners in a sense as well. And we're called to live in just that kind of a way in our lives in a very uh, powerful sense to be separate. Um, as one preacher put it at one point, it's, it's okay for the boat to be in the sea, but it's not okay for the sea to be in the boat because if too much sea gets in the boat, the boat will sink. And certainly if, too, if enough sea is in there, it, it makes the boat harder for us in our Christian life to be that, that yoke together and then to have the world be such a part of our lives. It's a constant pull on us in that, in that way. So as we look at, at this passage, we see these three separate groups of light and darkness in, in verse 14 there. Um, you can't mix light and darkness because the light is designed to expel darkness. And it's, it's a constant struggle between the two. And, and you can't join Christ and Satan in, in the same. There's, it's uh, incompatible. Uh, you know, we're told in Scripture that, uh, that, that God is a jealous God. He, he's not willing to play second fiddle to anything or to anyone. He is very jealous for us in our lives. And if there's that pull, there's that, that conflict that's going to be there. And you can't introduce temples in, or idols into the temple. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a conflict of worship when you have these two different idols taking place in there. So we see in this, this, this idea that 
um, not being unequally yoked together is is a personal problem uh, in our lives in in moving forward for Christ, and it's very practical uh, for how we live. Uh, as a believer, what we're called to do. There, there's some principles set down here in 2 Corinthians 6 that I think are, are very powerful. It says, what fellowship has righteousness and unrighteousness together? Uh, the word fellowship here is an intimate, close partnership, a sharing together. Uh, and, and there's a direct contrast. If, if we're tied together in a business partnership or in a, uh, a relationship where we're we're constant discussing and making decisions, there's a, a fellowship there. And what's what's the problem with that fellowship? Well, there's that constant pulling away. The most intimate level of that human spirit is, is not joined together. In a marriage relationship, which many times we apply this to, when, uh, when a Christian marries a non-Christian, that relationship can't be the intimacy that needs to be. Now, we're told in Scripture, if if you're married to an unbeliever and you accept Christ, that you're to remain married to them and, and praying that your influence will lead them to Christ. But the desire is not to allow their influence to lead you away from Christ. But we're talking about here of coming together in an unyoke, unequal way and being bound together. And we're to avoid that. Certainly we're to avoid that in our, our business and our close personal relationships. Uh, even to the point that I think that a close friendship with an unbeliever can be a huge distraction for a Christian uh, to grow in their faith. Many times I've talked to new Christians and they'll ask me, do I have to leave my friends because I've accepted Christ? And I'll share with them, if you live for Christ in front of your friends, one of two things are going to happen. One, you're going to influence them and they're going to become a believer and you're going to win them to Jesus Christ. Or two, if you're truly living for Christ and they're not, they're going to leave you because they're not going to be comfortable with you uh, because you're doing the way the things of, of Christ. So this fellowship is one that we need to realize um, we have to make sure that our fellowship is drawing us towards Christ in our lives. Um, so, so that's a struggle we face. Uh, secondly is the communion concept of light and darkness. That, that communion can't be there. Communication can't be there when there's that unequal relationship in our lives. Uh, we're not able to see eye to eye on key things in how we live, how we're governed. The, the Christian is governed by Scripture. Every part of their lives is referred back to what God's Word says. For an unbeliever, if, if they're in a relationship and every time a question comes up, you know, the believer says, well, let's, let's look at what God's word says. They're real tired because that's not their governing principle. Their governing principle is the world. And it may be money or it may be uh, something they want to see happen. It may be business practices that are common in their, in their walking. Uh, but we're governed by scripture. So there's that, that common uh, lack of ability to communicate on the same sense. Another element we see here in chapter 6 is the harmony between Christ and, and Satan in this. It, there's, there's not that. The accord is very different in their lives. It's riddled uh, their lives with these questions that are ethical, that are moral dilemmas uh, that Christians have to face uh, every day in, in our day-to-day -day life. You know, How do we deal with employees? What's our profit margin? What's fair to the world around us? You know, How do we deal with taxes? How do we, how do we deal with... Um, taking care of the customer on a day-to-day -day basis. All of these, again, are tied back to how Christ teaches us 
to love our brothers as we love ourselves, to do unto others as we would have them do unto do unto you. You know, all these principles are at work. And our business partner, our friend who's not a believer, may be a good moral person, but there's still going to be those conflicts that go, that are going to be there. And and another element is is the concept of uh, joining together in in that partnership relationship. What's the participation? What's the what's the view of that? Um, how can we in this participate together? Uh, a, a real close personal friend that you may have that you enjoy sports together and all. Uh, you you play baseball or basketball. What are you going to do afterwards? They, they, maybe they want to go to a bar and, and get some drinks and stuff. Well, as a believer, you have a problem with with living in that environment. Uh, you know, you have a problem in, in participating in some of the things they want to do. Same thing can happen in a marriage with a believer and an unbeliever. That there's that drawing that's taking place that is not healthy in their lives. And fifthly, or uh, here is, is an agreement of bringing uh, idols into the temple. Uh, that idea of you know what in our lives that that relationship might bring into how we live on a day to day basis. Um, you know, in, in politics, so many times uh, don't get too far down that path. But you know, so many times when I'm trying to f de determine who to vote for, I try to find that individual that best meets my beliefs and my beliefs fall from a biblical perspective and I have priority uh, beliefs. I have secondary uh, beliefs and I, and many times I have to compromise because there are not many strong Christian politicians out there. And I am, and I find those areas that I can vote for him because he's going to key on the, the, the key issues that I find in my life. But God's not a compromise. Christianity is not a compromise. You know, you can't follow just the things that God teaches you that you feel comfortable with or you think are priorities. God wants you to follow him completely in your life. And, and, and we have that relationship. There's that drawing away. Remember that that idea of being yoked is that both of you are pulling in the same direction. And if you get there, one has a tendency to always pull uh, to the left and the other has a tendency to pull to the right. Uh, then there's going to be a constant battle happening. So this unequally yoked is a very personal thing that we need to realize that affects our lives as believers. And not being yoked to an unbeliever, really Paul here as he's talking to the church in Corinth, is very concerned for their spiritual life, their spiritual growth. And he's talked about, you know, we need to live this above standard. We need to be sharing our faith and it be attractive to those around us. But he's also saying, but be careful. Don't be so tied to that that it's going to draw you away from Christ in your life. So in this, we see this, this idea of, of um, uh, living for Christ and, and what it means for us. And, and I don't want to close it. I don't want all to be negative in that because really having this relationship with Jesus Christ and uh this idea of don't be any, you know, run away from the world really isn't what Paul's wanting to say. It's, it's not a total negative. It's really a protection for them. So in this, um, we're called to realize that having that relationship with Christ is such a positive. Picking up in uh, verse 16, the second part there, <clears throat> it says, For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is evil, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. How powerful is this idea 
you know, that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he wants to, to protect us in our day-to-day -day lives because he wants to be close to us. He wants to be uh, in a relationship with us where he's steering us in a constant, ready direction in our lives. Our, our promise of obedience of, um, brings great reward and great promises. Uh, first, God promises to dwell with us. He's, he's going to be with us in our lives. Um, this abiding is, is, a, is a process for us, a possession for us in our lives. When we are saved, we possess him. He lives within us and he sanctifies us on a daily basis um, in our lives. In other words, the promise of God is to bring about change in our lives, to bless us and to grow us into what he wants us to be. And if we're yoked to an unbeliever, if we're yoked to something that's drawing us away from that, there's a hindrance to that relationship and it draws us away from God. Secondly, he promises to go with us. I'll walk with them. Uh, in the Bible, it's, it's an intimate, close fellowship with God. Um, this idea in the Old Testament of a company of two or three that's drawing us in that. Uh, our desire is for God to, to walk beside us on a daily basis. I, I love the idea um, that, that we have from Scripture that is, as we live our lives, there's nowhere when we come to know Jesus Christ and he abides with us, as we said in the first point, and he walks with us, there's nowhere you go that God's not with you. And, and how, how would you, in your day-to-day -day life, maybe some places that you wouldn't go if Jesus, in, the, in a bodily sense, was walking with you, uh, the reality for us is to say, okay, you know, if I go into that store or if I go watch that movie, Jesus is sitting in the seat next to me. He's, he's abiding with me. He's walking with me. And it should influence our lives. It should influence how we live because we're in that relationship with him. Thirdly, his promises to guard and to guide us. Uh, I will be a father unto you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, he says. This promise of parenting is, is, is God's ear protection over us. Um, when we think about a yoke, it, it's that harness. And um, the scripture says, uh, follow me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are, we are yoked with Christ. Uh, one writer talks about a little girl when, when someone asks her, what's, it, what's the yoke of God like for you? And her explanation in her mind was, it's, it's like Jesus coming up and putting his arm around me and walking down the road with me. He says, my yoke is easy and my, your, my burden for you is light. And, and Jesus didn't put this, this commandment uh, through Paul in 2 Corinthians here as a yoke that's hard and burdensome. He put it to protect us. It's, it's kind of like the father who, who tells their daughter when they go out at night, you know, I want you home by midnight. You know, you're not trying to ruin all their fun. He, he's putting a hedge of protection around them for them to be careful about. Uh, it's it's telling, telling them the, the guidelines and directions that, that we need to hold to. You know, parents need to realize as they're setting those parameters up that their kids need to realize they're really a, about love. And that's what God's doing here for us is setting up that protection of love for us. The principle here for us is for our good that God loves us. He wants to He wants to dwell with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to guide and direct us in our lives. And He doesn't want anything else pulling us away uh, from that direction for Him, uh, from Him in, in how we live. So as, as we live, I think the practical side that we have to come to is a realization that 
as Paul is writing to the, to the church in Corinth and he wants uh, the church there to be a great influence in their community. He wants the church to, to be outward thinking and, and touching lives. And certainly we want that for Doolin's Grove. We want uh, to be a light on a hill shining uh, in our community. We want to be touching lives. Our, our deacons have talked about, you know, how do we reach out and, and do different things for the different people around us. And certainly in, in our day right now, you know, we realize that we need to be available. We need to be touching people and, and showing God's love. But in the second part here, picking up in verse 14, uh, Paul, uh, God is speaking through Paul and, and putting a protection there. That this relationship needs to be there, but there needs to be uh, not a not such a closeness that it's that you're not pulling them, you're pulling them towards Christ. They're not pulling you away from Him, and we need to see God's love in this and His desire for us in this in our day to day lives. So this not being unequally yoked together, I don't think I certainly don't think it means that that we can't reach out to our unbelieving friends and neighbors and things like that, and 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 be casual friends with them to show God's love in a real sense. But I think we need to be careful of not allowing that relationship to be so close that they're drawing us in a direction away um, from the way God has called us to live and away from God's leading us in our lives on a day-to-day basis. I think it's a word of encouragement that Paul is sharing here. It's encouragement for us. Don't be unequally yoked together because you need to have a peer group. You need to have uh, people working with you in that same path that are you're you're heading towards Christ and and you're building together. I, I remember growing up, and I'll close with this: that uh, I had a close friend, and we had both uh, as young uh, believers come to know Christ, and we challenged each other to uh, always be the, uh, a checking point for each other. Uh, being 12, 13 year old boys, uh, you know, we, we had a pact at one point: if you hear me say something I shouldn't say, I want you to hit me in the arm as hard as you can. That was a great deterrent because uh, because Don could hit you pretty hard, you know, and maybe it's a little immature, but you know, he was doing it for the right reason. You know, we need to have people in our lives, maybe not from a physical sense, but maybe just a practical sense that they're asking the tough questions about, did you have your devotions today? Did you read God's word? How are you how are you doing in that uh, relationship? They're they're yoked to us and we're accountable to them. And, and we need to have that relationships that are positive for us. I pray it's a word of encouragement for you. I think it's something that we need to really kind of put in the forefront instead of way back of, of who is close and who is influencing our lives and who we're yoked to in how we live.